Comic fam, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm here at the table with one of my best friends, Ryan. Hola. Fire guy, Ryan. Tis I, the fire guy. We talk about comics every week. Hit the subscribe button. We actually attempt to put this show out every Sunday. It's looking like it's going to be a Monday release. Might just change the day, I think. I think. Might be be most reliable plan moving forward you know Monday show. we try to get it out on sunday for you but so far it's been mondays so it may come out on mondays but we do appreciate you for being here surprise is so fun we got a pack show today we're talking about superhero theme songs we're talking about oh foreign comic books we made a mistake bleeding cool made a mistake wait what's going on we'll, we'll cover it we'll cover it um we have an into the spider verse teaser trailer we got your comments we got one of the coolest comic books that have come out in the last, I don't know, year. Silver Surfer 5 Black. Donny Cates just killed it. We're going to talk about that. But before we go on, let's just kick the show off with the first thing. All right, let's go over topic number one right here, right now. We have Spider-Man getting a new theme song. What's going on, Ryan? A new theme song? That's right. I mean, everyone knows a Spider-Man theme song. Yes. Ryan, do you want to sing the Spider-Man theme song? Would I? Would you? Would you like to? Would I like to? Well, okay. Oh, man, I would love to. Okay, so here. There's two different theme songs. We're talking about Double Trouble. Okay, this is a Marvel kids comic book that's coming out. Surprising, it's not being put out by IDW. They're usually the ones that put out like the Spider-Man Adventures or like some, some other adventures <laughs> comics for, right? the, for the kids. But, the kids comics that but, I don't read. But Marvel is doing this one, and it's Spider-Man and Venom, Double Trouble. Now, what's cool is the very first page, we have a couple different pages of the solicit. The first page is the Spider-Man theme song. Ryan, please take over. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. These aren't even the accurate lyrics. <laughs> Does all the cool things a spider can. Yeah, because this is a new song. Right. He's, he's making his, he's, he's do, do, doing like a remix. That's right. Action hero. Awesome dude. Saving lives. Never rude. Look out. There goes the Spider-Man. Heck yeah. Okay. And then now I'm going to try to do the Venom one because the next page is Venom. This is oh. the first time Venom has gotten a theme song to my knowledge. All right. It says here, meanwhile, on the other side of town. He looks so cute. He does look cute. Look at him. All right. Let's see if we can do this. Venom. Venom. Does all the things a symbiote alien that has merged with a human form can. Uh, almost rhymes. He's an alien. He's super rude. He's a villain and an overall bad dude. And <laughs> look out, like really bordering, bordering on unpleasant, <laughs> bordering. Border- the worst part is that he's stealing the kids ice cream and, and eating ice cream. Really bordering on unpleasant. The, it doesn't really rhyme. It doesn't really flow very well, but it is there. So I thought, OK, it's got me thinking about theme songs and and just those memorable cartoons of the past and some that are a little bit more recent. And I wanted to test you, Ryan. I have six songs here, and I guess this is a, a test for the community as well. If you recognize these songs, I want to know how many you get right. Uh-oh. All right, this is, let's see, honesty here. Mm-hmm. So, Ryan, I have six different songs that I have uh, put together for you, and I have cut them so it's a little bit more difficult to guess, and I've made them increasingly more difficult. Oh, thank that's, you. That's the goal. So, are you ready for this, Ryan? You can only hear it once. I'm only going to play this once. I don't want you to, to like jog your memory. You or can't anything. play it like ten times. For no, me just to, no, 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 no. One time, community, you get one time. Let's see which ones that Fire Guy Ryan remembers. Also, by the way, I'm not a good actor, so this is 100 the truth. I have oh, not heard this stuff yet. I put these in a folder that said Ryan, do not look. I really wanted to look. I saw that in there. I was like, mm, I got I, the answers. There's answers. Oh, oh, I could have got answers. You could have got answers. I did not look. Didn't. I was All being right. a good little kid, and I didn't look. Okay, let's see. Let's see what you can right. figure out here. Ready? Go. All right. Song number one. Let's try it. 
This is easy. This is the first one, Ryan. That's it? That's it. <laughs> that sounds on. like every superhero movie ever. How do you not know that uh, one? Ryan. Avengers? Uh, which one? Oh, there's, Avengers. there's multiple? I thought there was only one Avengers song. That's what? not even the Avengers song. It sounds Avengers-y. I'll give you... Okay. Halfway there, it is Avengers, but which movie? It's a specific Avengers film? It is. That's frustrating. Uh, or at least the first time you heard it. The first movie. The first <laughs> okay. Avengers movie. Did you get it right? Let us know in the comments yeah, section below. Yeah, hopefully the comic fam got that one right, because right. that's the easiest one. I'm There's people going, how do you not know this, Ryan? Okay. I was expecting to hear the song I was used to hearing. Okay. Let's go for the next one. Come on, Ryan. Ryan, come on. These are classic songs. I know this is from a 90s cartoon. How do you know it's from a 90s cartoon? It sounds so 90s. What about that sound in 90s to you? I didn't, I didn't hear 90s out of that. But I will give you a hint. It came out in 1994. Oh, Amazing Spider-Man. No, Iron Man from 1994. Oh, I was going to say, because whatever that is, I have not seen it. Because okay. I know the Spider-Man song. I know the X-Man song. I know the Batman song. And I guess those are the only cartoons I watched as a kid. Okay. Well, we're going to keep it going. He's one for two. Barely. And barely one <laughs> for like two. Half, half How are you doing, two. comic fam? All right. Let's see the next one. Better than Are you going to get number three? We're going to find out right now. Let's go. Oh, that's Iron Man. Okay. Iron Man. Why do I know that? Because it's Iron Man and you know Iron Man. Well done, sir. A good one. You know what? They really need to Up it. change something <laughs> with <laughs> superhero soundtracks. They all sound the same, especially when you just listen to them like a blind Pepsi challenge like this. I think you're doing pretty good. I thought I was going to stump you with the third because I put Iron Man next to Iron Man. I thought I was going to trick you there. Oh, See? Man. See, it's getting a little bit harder, comic fam. All well, right. None of these you're, are John Williams. You're two so. for three. All right. Here's the next one. Coming in strong, number four. Oh, that's Superman. Superman. I only know this because I just well watched this movie. Done. Like last like less well, than a year ago. Well done, sir. I was uh worried you weren't gonna get that Superman from nineteen seventy-eight. And I had to cut that one a little bit. I made it a little bit more difficult for you to guess. Because that's before the It's before the hook. Yes. All right. So here's another all right. Thank you. The Music hook, right? terms. Okay, so now we're going on to number five. All, all right. right. You're doing dude, I'm proud of you. You said this is the hardest one, so I'm just expecting this like one, one drawn out single note or something really vague. You ready? Go. Satin tights? <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear that part. I heard red, white, and blue. Maybe they have satin tights. What? You know? In the, your satin tights. I never watched G.I. Joe okay. or played with them. Okay, Ryan, here's a problem. You I just think, said G.I. Joe. I think <laughs> the G.I. Joes wore tights for their uh, military, you know, oh, advantages oh, that yeah. tights give you over the, you know, the people who aren't wearing tights on the battlefield. Wow. Why okay. do all the superheroes wear tights? Okay. Let's let's break this down. See? Satin tights, red, white, and blue. G.I. Joe. Boom. Oh my Case goodness! Closed. All right, so um, we got that one's that one's rough. I don't know how you don't know that one. Uh, that's way that's too old. Wonder Woman, nineteen seventy seven, no, dude. Man. How do you not know that song? I don't. Never saw it. Linda oh Carter. Oh my gosh! I'll, all right, I gotta know. Never saw I it. I gotta know who knows this one. All right, here's the next one. This is, I think, the hardest I one. You. you ready? Oh, that wasn't number five. No, that was number five. But we have six. Oh, there's six. Okay, I thought this was oh, five. I got it. No, no, man, I thought it was a, oh. one of six. I thought six was a, was a good oh, number. Oh God. Okay. Yep. Let's right. let's do it. Last one. 
See if you can get this one, Ryan. This is a hard one. That was it? That was all you needed. Uh, Come on. Uh, They're screaming. Ryan, you got five. I know what it's not. Four. <laughs> three. Two. Say a superhero. Go. Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four. They're <laughs> screaming. The Hulk from 1996. Comic fam, how did you what do? What even is the Hulk from 1996? Was there a cartoon? Yes. I didn't know that. Oh, my goodness. Comic fam. How did you do? We want to hear from you. Put your answers in the comment section below how you did. Ryan, you did pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. More than half right. I need to watch old cartoons, apparently. Was that right? More than half right? I don't know. No, I think you got half right. I'm pretty sure you got less than half. You got Avengers. You got Iron Man from 2008. And you also got Superman. So that's three of six. So 50%. Did you beat Ryan? That is an F. That Uh. is a solid F. That is a low F. Okay, this show that we produce every single weekend, really all of our content, we're sponsored by Key Collector Comics, the best comic book app that exists on the market. And if you use code TOM101, you just go to the home screen, look for the logo, you put the code in, you get a free week subscription, and it unlocks everything. But the app itself is free, and there's a ton of services on there and information for you to use on your hunting and your collecting that's going to be valuable. So I want to get into the next topic of the show because... We are chatting about HBO, and we're talking about HBO Max adapting DC titles. Last week, I talked with Jeff when this when this news broke, and the announcement was two different series, right? Green Lantern inspired show, yes, and then Strange Adventures, right? An anthology, okay. an anthology series. So, Correct. I mentioned to Jeff, you know, it sounded like I don't know if this is going to happen. They say inspired show. And that has me really worried. That has Jeff worried. It has me worried. It also has Nick over at Key Collector worried. We're not sure what that means. That one word gives them so much wiggle room to just make something based off Green Lantern. They okay. can make a f- completely different thing. And okay. it's inspired by Green Lantern, so it doesn't even need to really be Green Lantern. The examples I gave was Watchmen. That's happening right now, which is like it's inspired by Watchmen. It's a sequel, but it's like it's, it's new. You know, it's a totally different show. And it's really good, by the way. Watch it uh, if you. We're talking about it. it on the show. No worries. We're gonna oh, yes. we're gonna get to that later I on. I can't not talk about that. Oh, it's it's too good to pass up. But when we discussed it, the first thing we said is we got to bring this attention to you, Ryan, because I want to hear your thoughts because there have been a couple books that have really blown up on Spec Radar, and they're tied to two different series that are very respected in Uh-oh. Green Lantern canon. And you know, I'm talking about Emerald Twilight. There you go. All right. If you go into Key Collector, there is a Green Lantern category. Can't miss it. Can't miss it. And the first book that I want to chat about is Green Lantern 48. Green Lantern 48 is the first appearance of Kyle Rayner. All right. There was a 216% increase in copies sold in a week last week. Now, we're talking about Twilight. Emerald Twilight. Emerald Twilight. Different Twilight. Different, not Robert Pattinson Twilight. No. No. We're talking about Twilight. So this is the first one people are specking on. Why are people specking on it? What are your thoughts about that book? They're specking on it because it's the first appearance of Kyle Rayner. And Kyle Rayner kind of came on the scene after, right after Emerald Twilight, which is a storyline where Hal Jordan kind of loses his mind and just murders all the Green Lanterns. He goes like on a ra- it's It's the Rampage trio where like the middle is him collecting all the rings. It's that classic. Oh, he's my like, favorite he's losing his mind. He's like, I need all the rings. I'm going to kill everybody. Bling, bling. Yeah. He loses his mind. He kills everyone. And then one of the uh, the guardians of the universe, the people who are in charge of the Green Lanterns, they kind of give the last Green Lantern ring to this guy, Kyle Rayner, on Earth. And he just becomes the, the only Green Lantern for a good long while, actually, like most of the 90s. 
he gets that basketball Dwight looking mask, you know, from season one. (laughs) Big plastic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I'm not a fan of Kyle Rayner, so I'm personally not excited by the possibility of them focusing on him and this storyline, I guess, for the, the start of this TV show. Because People I, are buying this book out, man. They're they're thinking that this may be it because it's a big story. But what are your thoughts about this particular story being adapted? Can you see an inspired version of this? I don't think they should start with this storyline. This seems like something maybe you would build up to. I personally don't see how you can do a Green Lantern story without Hal Jordan, at least to start with. I think you can build up to other Green Lanterns. Maybe John Stewart instead of instead of Hal Jordan. He was in the uh, Justice League cartoon, so there's a lot of people are kind of familiar with him. Right. But any Green Lantern project is really going to have to work double time to kind of overcome the 2011 movie with Ryan Reynolds that tanked and just ruined Green Lantern in the eyes of very of a lot of people for a very long time. I know, right? It's the first hurdle they're going to have to overcome. You know that they're like, all right, we're going to do something cool. Now, there are some big stories here that could be good to see on screen, but seeing multiple Green Lanterns... Emerald Twilight is too much. It's a lot. It's way too big. And you you can't make Emerald Twilight without Hal Jordan. Unless you're going to go like the Khaleesi route and just have him go bad in too short of amount of time to set up another protagonist. I mean, he becomes a villain by the end of the series. No one should be looking at the last season of Game of Thrones for inspiration on how to do anything, in my in my humble opinion. Yeah, I don't think Parallax is going to be the answer to make people watch HBO Max. No. Or get into Green Lantern. So, yeah, that's a soft spec, but people are putting money against I'd it. I'd like to see them build up to that, and I would be cool there. with Kyle Rayner being in the mix. Okay, well, let's not uh, not yet, not as a lead. Let's take a look at another book, though. Green Lantern 29. What's going on with that? That's the first appearance of Black Hand. Okay. He's one of my, I mean, I would say he's my favorite Green Lantern villain, but Sinestro, he's probably like my favorite DC character of all, I think. So maybe, maybe Sinestro doesn't count. Black Hand is a really cool villain in the Green Lantern universe. He is kind of the main villain of the Blackest Night storyline that came out in like 2008. And that is looked at as one of the best Green Lantern stories ever. Right. But why would that be difficult to adapt? Besides, like, everybody and their mom is in it and the alternative zombies and Batman's pick, dead. Yeah, and, pick the reason. There's yeah. a billion reasons why I, why I personally think you why? should not do Blackest Night, at least why? not to start with. The, the biggest one being the amount of different concepts there are in that storyline. Not only do you have to understand who the Green Lanterns are, but you need to know about the Red Lanterns and the the Sinestro Corps and the Blue Lanterns and the Indigo Lanterns and all this other nonsense that comes in throughout the Jeff Johns run. It's a lot to throw at people, especially at the start of a brand new TV show, introducing people to a mythology and a comic book character that most people aren't familiar with. Okay, and that Green Lantern 29, first appearance of Black Hand, we're seeing a 700 increase in percent increase in copies sold in just seven days for that book. So people are specking on these runs, you know, this particular key moments from the respected storylines, but it's really early. And as a Green Lantern enthusiast and fan, it, it looks like a stretch. I don't think they should start this TV show with either Emerald Twilight or Blackest Night. Interesting. Don't think they should do that at all. Okay. It might be smarter to look at maybe Secret Origin, Green Lantern, Secret Origin. But that's kind of what they supposedly based the film off of back in the day. Loosely, if they had followed that script a lot tighter and followed the comic, I think that would have been a much better movie. Maybe a better TV show. What do you think, comic fam? Put your answers in the comment section below. Let us know what you think about this 
Green Lantern news? Are you excited about Strange Adventures? Is Ryan right? Are these like, is this like wishful thinking? Are these types of stories just not going to be adaptable? Are they going to go the inspired route? Watchmen, Joker status. They're already doing it. For the record, I would like to see Black as Night on the screen. I would very much like to see that. I just don't think you should start with that. That's a bad idea. That'd be like starting Game of Thrones with season eight and being like, okay, boom, here's here's how it's going on. This is way too much to throw at you at the beginning of a show. You know what's a bad idea? Sometimes when you sell books that are worth money and you regret it and it was a bad idea, you're like, oh shoot, I wish I didn't do that. And I want to cover my biggest mistake in selling in the last decade on the after show today. Um, we record an after show after the camera shut off. And if you want to consume our post show, Audio only. It's available on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. We're also going to be talking about something else. We're talking about basketball heads in the after show. Joe Hill, Hill's House. Can I borrow that actually because I need to yes. read it? Um, we're talking about something in this comic book, but we're going to get to it in the after show. So stay tuned. Um, and something fun that I just found out is that in the back of this, we find out that there is a comic book that's going to be coming out soon that has an artist that we're pretty familiar with. Yeah, the um, one of the upcoming comics in the Hill House line that Joe Hill is spearheading is called Lolo Woods. It's going to be illustrated by Danny. And Danny, who also did Coffin Bound, is doing our Undiscovered Country exclusive. That's right. And you only got a couple weeks left to join the mystery mail called the link is in the bio. But everybody gets one Comic Tom exclusive, the undiscovered country under a thousand will be available for the community. You got to sign up, do it now, reserve your box. And let's jump into topic number three. So last time I was here, we talked about Playboy. We talked about a porno. Uh, (laughs) We did. Spider-Man was in, in Playboy in Japan. That's right. We talked about this bleeding cool article. That said, the first appearance of Spider-Man in Japan was in this Playboy issue number 39, I think. That's right. Issue number 39. And they quoted a blog post by a Matthew Roybal. Hmm. This guy knows his foreign comics. He is a major foreign comic collector. I know this because he reached out to me after the show. He said he didn't even reach out to Bleeding Cool. He wanted to get in touch with me. And he said, yo, they misquoted my article. There's no link to the article on Bleeding Cool, they butchered it. I read the article. I don't know how they misread this. Like, I have no idea. They, it literally says in the article, this is the eighth appearance of Spider-Man in Japan. It like, literally says it right there, clear as day. Uh-oh. So either they didn't read it or they were just working too quick over there. Regardless, it was an error. This is the eighth appearance of Spider-Man in Japan. But this is kind of a fun thing that happened post the showing of these comics on the mic. Matthew Royball hit me up after the fact. We had a great conversation. He is now kind of one of our uh, sources for foreign comics now. This is a gentleman who was the senior editor for a foreign magazine. They produced two printed, like actually published two printed foreign comic collector magazines. They're small, you know, short, but still a nice little uh, piece of information that published. It's been published. And then they actually did a handful of digital ones before they, you know, kind of slowed down and stopped doing it because life happened. This is a very small group of collectors who care about foreign comics. And we had probably a great hour, hour and a half long conversation about foreign comics that we got to get into. Let's do it. Okay. So the first thing that I want to talk about is some interesting things. Well, the first time that Spider-Man appeared in a Japanese comic 
at least in a licensed Marvel form, right. was in the Japanese Playboy comics. Like that, that is correct. But he appeared in issue number 32 first. Hmm. Now, Spider-Man was in manga prior to that, but that was non-licensed Marvel properties. That was like their own Spider-Man version, their own stories. I'm talking about licensed Marvel, you know, Remita art in a a comic book form in Japan. It was started in issue number 32. But I found out so much other interesting stuff that I just want to kick back to the community. And I want to hear their thoughts because foreign comics, it's definitely not something that is looked at as a goal for a lot of collectors. We've had a few here, right? Didn't you have like a Spanish first appearance of Punisher or something that was up on the... It was even... No, I'm thinking of a different comic. I no. thought you had a foreign language first appearance, the yellow Punisher Spider-Man cover and... We've, we have in the past. Okay. Um, we also have had uh, Captain America 100. Um, that's in the back issue bin. We got like the early McFarlane Spider-Man. That's in, I think, Greek. I remember looking at it and being like, oh, this is cool, but I can't German. read it. So I just kind of put it back and kept going. Right. Yeah. And that's typically how most people view it. Like, you know, it's a key moment on a book and we're in like a, a, a kind of a special time right now because people are starting to buy these more often. I just saw Illust Illuminati um, pick one up. And posted on Instagram. He's like, yo, I got a, a Taskmaster that's foreign and I like the cover, so I picked it up. And I think that's a great example of what's happening in the community. It's not that these are looked at as a really serious collector goal. However, people, when they find them and it has a key moment or a character that they really enjoy, they're willing to buy it because typically they're priced a lot less than that key appearance in America. But let's keep this conversation going because I found out from Matthew that there's a lot more to this foreign collector community than meets the eye. I noticed in our little uh, document that we that we type notes on for these for these podcasts, I noticed you had like a quote from him. I did. I thought this was really good. He said this, Matthew Royball. There's hundreds, if not thousands, of foreign comic collectors. They just don't know it yet, and that really sunk in because I've been buying foreign comics since I was little. Like, I find a cool book, and I'm like, oh, it's super cheap. Sure. Jeff did it the other week. Oh, yeah, first Lobo mm-hmm. in another country. Why not? It's affordable. It's cool looking. It's different. It's a little oversized. Dad's been picking up a lot of Spanish comics? He has. Yeah. So, like, low-key, people have been starting to get into foreign comic collecting. But I wanted to hear from Matthew, like, specifically, what got him into this? Because it's one thing to just go from, yeah, casual, you know, I'll pick it up if I find it, to I'm hunting for foreign comics he showed me some of his collection and it's like foreign comic after foreign comic of stuff i've never seen and he's like here's from japan this is from from greece this one's from you know south africa you know south america here's from brazil like there's so many from the philippines and i'm just like i'm trying to understand like there's so much passion behind this collecting and i appreciate it but i'm trying to figure out how do i communicate this to the community so he dished he explained it to me, and what I found out was fascinating. So there's a couple cool terms that you kind of explained to me a little bit before we started here. And the, the honestly, the easiest one for me to understand to start with is the term sets. Foreign sets. Right. right. So say, for example, you have a whole bunch of different versions of Spawn number one. Right. But you have them in a bunch of different languages. That's right. But they're all spawn number one. That's you right. Have one in Italian, one in German, one in French, one in Spanish. And Matthew Royball happens to have, and apparently he's claiming to be the second person to do this, a complete spawn one set. Set. Yes. You don't want to say run. No. 
Right, because that implies, you know, multiple different comics in sequence telling a story. Now, that may not seem pretty big to you, but I want to show you this picture here. How gorgeous does this look? It gets even cooler when you zoom in. That's right. You can see the, the image is the same, but the text is where things are going to change. The, uh, the logo is in different colors on different pictures. There's different subtitles and text in different spots all over the cover, but it looks the same and it looks different also, depending on which one you're looking at. It's, it's pretty cool. Some of these are different sizes too. And he also mentioned too that there is even a little bit of a, a split in the community of what they would define a set because for him, he includes not just the various covers and from like different countries of where these come from, he also includes the interiors. And there are foreign comics that have the interior of a comic book, but a different cover advertised. So if there's a spawn that includes spawn, like if there's spawn one in a comic book that's foreign, that's inside a magazine, kind of like the, the Playboy Spider-Man, Spider-Man okay. one, would you count that one? Because spawn one isn't on the cover. Well, he does because that counts. In that country, that's how they produce spawn. But sense. some collectors only go after the cover appearance. He's a completionist. And that got me excited because I'm, I'm seeing correlations here. You know, between completionists in America who are searching for an entire run or every key appearance, real first appearances. So then he showed me this picture of his Star Wars set. And that that land that hit home. I'm like, oh my goodness. Look at these books. They're and they're they're all dated from around the time that this that this was produced. You know, the original Star Wars comic book, but all over the world. So we're talking sets then. So then I made a mistake. And I said that, man, you know, this is cool. You know, this is like a variant. Like people in the community right now, they go out of their way to buy a 1 in 10 and 1 in 25 because of scarcity, rarity. It's like a variant of a comic. And then he corrected me. Uh-oh. He said, we actually moved away from calling these variants because back in the day, again, this, the history of this is, is pretty deep because they've been doing this. The foreign comic collector has been strong like, as, a, as a community right. for over a decade. And I'll get into how crazy it gets here in a second. But... He said that they moved away from calling them variants after they kind of got slack on the CGC forms. And they're like, these aren't variants because variants are typically considered something that like came out soon after the fact, you know, either at the same time or a relatively recent amount of time. Some of these came out soon after. Some of these came out years after. So he said that they've adapted the term from the book collector market additions. So like the Italian edition of Spawn number one. Exactly. Okay. So these aren't just reprints. Some of these, and, and these terms matter because there's a reason why no one cares about foreign comics right now, at least I, the majority of people. It makes sense because I think if you said the Italian variant of Spawn number one for me, in my mind, that means like the cover is an Italian, but the inside is the exact same as right? the normal, you know, the American one that we've, that we've had. Or if you say reprint, you think of a facsimile or a image first kind of thing. You know, it's yeah. just, oh, it's just, it's just reading material. But these things matter. Why do they matter? Well, because of the next reason why he explained why it's like so intriguing and kind of a obsessive thing to collect. Like these guys are serious about this. It's because of the scarcity and the history that these comic books have. So... When you dive into it, he told me of a couple different terms that the foreign comic collector community has, has kind of coined. The first one he talked about was local indigenous bias. We're talking about scarcity. You got to talk about why they're scarce. We know about why American comics are scarce, but kind of in the, and you kind of dive into it, we're not really talking so much about silver, bronze, and modern because like, honestly, if you want to get a Spider-Man 300 or something, 
in any grade, you can find it, you know? So yeah, it's scarce to get it in high grade, like nine, eight, right? Really hard. You're going to pay a lot of money for it, but you can find it. So it's almost like we need a different term for this when we're talking about American comics, uh, basically silver age and new. When you go gold, we know why those ones are harder and harder to find. But foreign comics, can you explain to us what local indigenous bias is? Because we have some phrases that kind of sum up how foreign comics became so scarce. Yeah, this was another one that was new to me because apparently people in other places where there are translated versions of these comics that come out, sometimes they are more partial to the American versions of the comics instead of the ones that have been produced in their own language that they can read naturally. So, for example, he used Spawn in the Philippines. He said specifically that in the Philippines, when Spawn came out, there was a focus on the American Spawn comic. That's what they wanted to collect. And although the the, the Philippines produced spawn comic books in mass and you they could have gotten them at that time they wanted to collect the american version so a lot of what happened is people read the comic in their own language they didn't care to really take you know didn't care to really take care of the book um probably didn't bag and board a lot of them and a lot of them didn't really get into collections so in that particular case rarity ended up being the book that they didn't think would be valuable long term that's never good It's never good. And what you also have is the flip side of this, this happening in reverse. He gave an example about South South Africa, about how in early days when they were trying to uncover foreign comic books, keep in mind, comic fam, a lot of these covers that you can find on the internet right now, they're difficult to find as is. Like it's not easy to find catalogs. You don't have the Gerber journal of foreign comics where you just have everything listed. You can find a lot on, on, on the internet but we're talking a decade ago, five years ago, where a lot of this stuff wasn't happening. So how did you get this information? You literally had to go on websites that were in a different language to try and find information from comic books that you didn't know existed. And he told me the way that they did this was offering a financial incentive to individuals in their particular country and said, hey, if you can find this cover in your language, I'll give you 30 bucks just for the picture. Help me find it because just for a picture of it, not even the comic itself. Oh, just for the picture. Because for one, they don't know if it exists and it's in Greek and good luck finding something. If you don't read Greek, you know, if you're going on, uh, on Greek forms on the internet, looking for Greek comic collectors, say Google translate works, but Google translate doesn't work. Well, and he said that they were using Google translate a lot of the time to figure the stuff out. So time I've tried that, it never works. So in, in response to the question about the opposite happening from the, like the local indigenous bias, he said this happened on the flip side as well, specifically in South Africa, when they were looking for certain books down there, they were told by collectors like, Oh no, no, we don't, we don't have these out here. They're just gone. They're gone. And then he would hear from other collectors. No, 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 no. They're here. They're collected and they're protected. They don't want them to leave the country. There are pockets. There are certain countries of collectors that are like, they take pride in their foreign comic so they hunt them down and they don't they try not to let them leave the country just lock them up in a vault basically right so it goes deep and i find it fascinating because each of these different countries that produce these comics have their own stories right right and some of these stories are honestly more interesting than some of the comic books that we collect for grade alone and i'll just like leave you with this comic fam he mentioned brazil 
Okay. And, and shout out Matthew Robot. Thank you so much for, for chatting with us and, and giving us this information. I'm excited. If the community wants to hear more about foreign comics, I'm interested. Me too. I'm interested in having more conversations with him. If you have a question, a comment, put them in the description, in the comment section below, and we'll bring this up to Matthew. He'll probably dish more about this. Um, but he mentioned Brazil. He's like, Brazil's a freaking rainforest, man. And he said that he looked up information online. He was able to uncover that as much as 10 to 15% of the Brazilian population in the 70s had air conditioning so like nobody had air conditioning basically right? no one had air conditioning okay. in an incredibly humid area yes with comic books that were hyper scarce and uh, there is tin in the staples of those particular comic books so you're talking rust mm. you're talking water damage you're talking about something that people looked at as like garbage basically back then like this is for kids you know just, just buy it on the stand just like here in america where people didn't really respect right. the, the 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 collectability and the investment of of these comics because they didn't think they would be worth very much back then well think about that we're talking one country that experienced all of these types of things that create this scarcity and this collectible i think it's incredibly intriguing yeah this feels like just the surface of of the potential here is is pretty is pretty astonishing. Like the amount of stories that could possibly be told in foreign comics. We have to get into it, and we're I look forward to doing it with the community. Me All right, too. let's jump into the next subject of the show. We got a teaser for Into the Spider Verse two. This is like the teasiest tease, the teasiest tease that has ever been teased. Ryan is titillated. I am extremely. What did we see? Because we saw so much, Ryan. Actually, that's kind of true. Like, there was a lot crammed into this. Like, For like a 15, 10-second clip? Yeah, like the smallest little clip you've ever seen. Like, there was a lot of information potentially provided. What did we right. see? A bunch of different logos. A Just Spider-Man right? logos. If, am I wrong? I feel like it was a, a bunch of recreations of, like, that graffiti Spider-Man logo that Miles made in the first movie. Yes. Yeah, that was on his uniform that he made. Absolutely right. So these are different versions of it and we know that's all that was in the clip it was all just a bunch of flashes of different logos right no no uh, dialogue there was barely any music in the background no words really other than was there a release date no release date that i, I saw there was a release date no and it's just quick like you have to slow it down you have to go frame by frame to that's where the fun is though it really is so let's actually talk about some of the ones that are being specced on because we have a handful of spider-man logos that look different which are then getting people to try to figure out, okay, who are we going to see in the next movie? Right, because the whole the whole premise of this story was the Spider Man from different comic book universes. They're all they're all like joining forces in these movies. So exactly. it, it's only natural to expect that the sequel is going to bring in more Spider things, Spider characters, Spider people from various Spider verses. Who who might they be? All right. So the first one that people are specking on is this blue looking Spider Man logo. Yeah. And we also have the first appearance of that character right here hmm. featured in Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man. It's a free comic book day from 2007 that we're going to be giving away here. First appearance of Mr. Negative. Those free comic books actually ended up being worth something sometimes. Yeah, this is actually worth more than the Amazing Spider-Man first appearance, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. So comment down below. Let us know what you think about anything on the show. It enters you to win a book. And we're doing another giveaway later on in the show as well. But... Mr. Negative. Mr. Negative. Why Mr. Negative? He was he in the was, game. He was just in that Spider-Man game from last year that I actually still haven't beaten. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was all over my, my radar last year, and I never finished it. But yeah, Mr. Negative was all over that game. It kind of raised his profile significantly. Mm -hmm. I noticed him pop up a couple of times in the Amazing Spider-Man comic since then. 
which I don't think was happening that much before the video game. I didn't even know who Mr. Negative was until then. He seems to be pretty recent, though, 2007 being his first appearance. That's right. And, you know, the blue on the Spidey logo, it's, it's given people enough to go on to start picking this up. But keep in mind, this is a book that people have been spiking or that has been on spec radar for probably over a year now, mostly because of the game, but yeah. also because we know that Spider-Verse is introducing a lot more characters. Now, the next one here, I think is pretty cool. It could be, I mean, obviously, who knows? Any of this. This could all just be nothing. This is all pure speculation. They could have just been like, oh, these are just cool logos. Let's, Let's just, just flip the color scheme around and mess with people's minds. All right, but that this next one, the next one is, uh, it's kind of a yellow and red uh, Spider-Man logo. Yeah. And the first thing that was thought of was Leopardum. Marveler? Yeah. Right? The... the Spider-Man from Japan? That's right. The the one that would be kind of more similar to a Power Rangers character. Yes. We have Spider-Man who's got the the wristband that controls this like he's, mecha suit. He's so cool. He's actually really We watched cool. we watched a little bit of a, a little bit of this show. I wasn't as familiar. It, n- neither was I. I was it's vaguely aware. Cool, dude. He's so awesome. Marvel! Change Leopardum. I want to find like a like a DVD set of this or something like. We'll have to show. We'll show a couple clips, um, but it's as crazy as you would expect. You know, miniatures flying through the air, and it literally looks like Power Rangers. It's it is it's Spider Man Power Rangers, and yes. I love Power Rangers. Shout out, boom! You right. know, like heck yeah, it's it's so dope. But this character, Leo Pardon, he actually made his first appearance in ASM issue number twelve. You know, which is pretty modern. Yeah, a more modern. His first book. appearance in comics was yeah in the past like what ten years, less yeah. than ten years ago. Mm-hmm. So it was clearly like a reference to the old, you know, Japanese show that people that people found awesome. Now you think this may be a stretch, right? I mean, this is a really deep cut character. We're getting all this from red and yellow. Yeah, but if you look at the Easter egg that was in Into the Spider Verse, Miles Morales, he's uh, he's drawn. There was a something. drawing drawing of some kind of mech looking machine, right? That's, a, that's an Easter egg for that character. It has to be. Yeah. They don't go out of their way to do something like that. So maybe this is leading to that. We don't know, but who's another character that may be yellow and red? Another character that I think might be more of a sure thing for this movie, at least more of a possibility than the Japanese Spider-Man, Spider-Woman, Jessica Drew. Correct. She has a red and yellow costume. And we actually had word back in December, this was done by, uh, released by Gizmodo, but they had Amy Pascal totally drop that they are planning on a silk Spider-Woman, Jessica Drew, and a Spider-Gwen, you know, Gwen Stacy spinoff, but also a team-up of these characters, and that was back in December. Interesting. So that gives credibility to the spec that this actually may be Spider-Woman. She's definitely on their radar, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And a book that has been on spec radar over this last year because of that was Spider-Woman Alpha, which is the first team-up of these characters. Now, we just mentioned Cindy Moon, Something Mm -hmm. that I haven't seen tweeted. Um, This was brought to my attention from Nick over at Key Collector. If you go through frame by frame, there is a Spider-Man logo with a crescent moon above it. And if you, you got to pause it just right to see it. And we'll show it to you, comic fan. But there is a crescent moon above that logo. It's definitely a moon. Cindy moon, maybe? Maybe. I'm thinking maybe. So, all right. So there is some characters here that may or may not be in the upcoming movie, but Let's just look at the impact Spider-Verse had on the collector's market. People are buying Spidey ham, all right? Like yeah. crazy. The movie won an Oscar. That was a big deal. Big deal. Yeah. All right? So who knows what this is going to lead to and how this will affect the collector's market. You know we'll be covering when it does. Thank you, Bendis, for making Miles Morales. 
Oh, thank you to the comic fam for commenting on our videos. You too. You guys are pretty cool too. So I had asked a request of the comic fam to go to my Instagram and comment at, in the post show because I posted a really cool Hellboy memorabilia. Mm-hmm. Um, the first published Hellboy the card. Card, right? Yeah. So I posted it on Instagram and we actually had some some people comment on it. So let's let's read that comment. Let's do it. This Hellboy card is said to be produced prior to any of the comic book appearances. And I posted it over on Instagram and we had Dark Jedi OFFC say, Comic Tom, what is that card exactly called if someone wanted to find one? This card is called a 1993 Fedonia Works card. And it was part of a set. And again, from 1982 to 1992, it was like a celebration set said to only be 1,100 made. Ouch. That's right? a very small number. Very small number. Then I had another comment from the police comics that I shared. Mm-hmm. I had a, a really OG Plastic Man comic that I, I went into and, and we discussed what collection it came from. Taylor Geek said, love the story of the guy who collected this comic. Awesome to buy a comic when you know it has a story behind the collector. And that kind of just like struck home for me. I think that's a thing. That's a thing for me for sure. When I know that there's a little bit more of a history to the comic, it may actually mean more to me than the comic itself the scarcity itself or whoever is on the cover it adds an extra layer it really does it gets you like into the mind of the person who held it before you and the person who owned it before you and now you start thinking about like the history of it and where all the places this book has been and i know jeff has brought that up a lot about like golden age and how that's a specific part of it that interests him is thinking about the history of the book itself like till it gets into your hands i remember he was talking about that when he damaged a comic and ruined it and this comic survived all this time and only to be killed by jeff right yeah and like that's all part of the history and that's that's a whole another layer of fascination yeah comic fam do you have any like random like pieces of your collection that to the average collector may not be worth much or be super exciting that to you you just hold dear you would never sell i want to hear about it i had a comment also from i pulled this one from the uh youtube video it was the last one i was in two weeks ago now this is from Wakandan Knight. Thanks for the vid info, you guys. Love how y'all constantly change the comics on the talk table. Always look forward to see what's next. This was a little idea I had just to show off my pulls. My yeah, these are your pulls, right? right. Like, this these is, are this what is you're reading. Correct. And we used to like do a segment about this a while ago. It was weird. It was it was very rushed. And this is this is a little more subtle. I, I like it. I like doing it that way. Yeah, we have more segments that we're going to be kind of introducing into the show, so you can kind of grow to expect certain things from us and one thing is to kind of have the community keep up to date with us on what we're reading but there's so many comics and to be like oh i'm going to tell you the next issue of this run every single week i think that would get kind of boring and we're spoiling it at that point sure so i feel like we should try to do something unique to bring to the table but it's coming soon comic fam but i like that you're showing the for now these are these are the comics i got every week yeah you're just kind of switching them out through the show why not yeah some eye candy i like it All right, let's move on to the next topic here because I'm super stoked about this, man. I haven't been excited about a comic book like this in quite some time. What you got? Constantine, Black Label. I said it on the mic like within the last month. Yep. Why isn't Constantine have his own Black Label run? What is DC doing? And like a magician, the words you spoke just became reality. It's like he did a spell or something. Right? I didn't even plan it to come out that way, but uh, Magic and Constantine jokes are, are pretty good. Okay, so first off, I am so stoked about this, and there are pages being released. There's a lot of pages. Yeah, actually. Actually, this was a good amount. It was like almost the whole comic, it felt like. There's like a good like seven or so pages, yeah. so we'll show a couple of them, but Ryan, let's just describe it for the audio community here. Like, What do we got coming? Because this right here looks... This is exactly what I want, man. I, wanna, I want just basic 
take it to like the grassroots of Constantine. Just what, what do we got? What do we got? I actually don't hate me for this. I have only read one Constantine story. Right. You know what it is. Yeah. Dangerous Habits. We did a whole breakdown of the series. It's one of my favorite comic books of all time. Yes. This comic, this current comic that's about to come out, is very reminiscent of that. The art, in particular, really feels similar to Dangerous Habits, which is a very big compliment. That comic was very washed out and gross-looking and just yellow and sickly, which is appropriate because that comic was about Constantine dealing with lung cancer. And so they've kind of adopted similar color color work for this comic, it seems like. There's a lot of... The yellow really jumps out at you. The lighting... I'm, I'm digging it. I don't really even notice coloring that much in comics, but it jumped out at me immediately. In Jordy, these pages. Jordy Belair, the color work on this, the colorist, it's, a, it's outstanding. It reminds me of what they did with Batman Damned a bit. You just can tell there's just a style that yeah. just meshes so well. Aaron Campbell. Mm-hmm. Artist. Artist. It, it, it's so exciting, man. I'm, I'm so pumped for this. The visuals are dark, which is what you want. It's moody, which is what you want. It's serious, which is what you want. Um, I'm not even going to read the solicitation because there's an f bomb in it, and I don't want to. It doesn't even matter. But like, the, that's when, appropriate though. But it's, it's appropriate because yeah, because yeah, it's Constantine. He's smoking in a panel, like cool. straight. You know, so he's he's full on Constantine. And the writer's like, you know, he's dealing with an evil crack dealing f head. Like, right. There's some kind of street gang that Constantine runs against, or like there's something happening in London with like demons and you know Constantine stuff. It's it's back to the roots, man. He's going to London. He's got no friends and family because there's none left because anyone he associates with pretty much dies. And he's got to deal with some supernatural activity. And you know it's not going to go as planned. And you know what? That's like the basis for most Constantine stories right that's there. That's the fun is. That's like the most, most of the plots. And I, that's what you need. That's all you need. Tell us a great story. Black Label is the new Vertigo. You had mentioned that too. You're like, why are they even calling this Black Label anymore? Like, this is Vertigo. Like, what's why did they get rid of Vertigo? I think this is literally just a rebranding. This is Vertigo. Yeah, I could see that. I'm okay with it, I guess, in the long run. As long as they keep putting out like Batman damned quality books, then I'm then I'm good with it. I know I'm picking this up, and I really hope they do like an oversized version of it. I want some really cool Constantine memorabilia, and I would keep an eye out. For this particular book, because Constantine, there's a good fan base for it that are going to pick this up. But I feel like this may go under some people's radar. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Just looking at what happened with Batman Damned and how like condition sensitive those books. I'm not saying this is going to spike like 150 bucks like that book did at one point. But if you can pick it up, I think it's going to be a good story. The art is already proving to be impressive. And it's Constantine. And I don't see a lot of people putting this on their poll list. So it's got all of the markers for something that could be really successful and missed. So I have tried to pick up as many of the new Black Label books that I can, and I have been pretty uh, consistently impressed all throughout. And uh, yes, I, I'm, I'm probably going to actually look into picking up Constantine, which is a, I don't know, should I jump in on this one? I feel like I should read more older stuff with Constantine first before I pick up a, a I non-going. I feel like this is going to be a good place to start it out. It seems like a nice back to basics kind of down to your root story. You don't have like, Oh, Papa Midnight's back to do this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You don't have like... It's a new villain, it says. Yeah, new villain and, and a new situation. So cool. I think this may be a good place to start off. And the fact that it's mature and Black Label, like that's going to be a good way for for uh, for the more adult fans to like feel like they're being served here. Word. All right, now we got to talk about this run right here. Dude, put that comic up, man. Oh. Just put that 
freaking masterpiece right up where everyone can see it. Silver Surfer Black, Donnie Cates, Sir Cates, Trad Moore. What masterpiece? How many people actually are reading this or read this? Let us know. This comic was really, really good. Go get it. If you haven't read it, go get it. Go read it. Go read it again. Just five issues. Five issues, and it's pristine, dude. This is, uh, this is, it deserves way more credit than it's getting right now. These are some of the lower prints. Um, and as, as the later comics come out, they, they were ordered less. I think the art turned a lot of people off, that's, unfortunately. That's insane, yeah, because that Which art blew my mind. Bl- dude, literally more than blew my mind. I took so... It probably, I could have read probably three, maybe four standard comic books in the time that I took to read that one book right there. Yes. And there's not very much text. No. No, there's what? not. All right. Remind the community our experience with Sir Kate's at Emerald City before all of this happened. Right. We were at Emerald City in like what, March, April? So mm-hmm. early yeah, spring. Basically April, beginning like April 1st or something. Right. right on that time. And I, if this is issue five, then that means five months ago, Silver Surfer started. Silver right. Surfer Black started. So we talked to Donnie Kate's probably like a month or two before. Yep. Before this run started and he was talking to us about absolute carnage he wasn't even talking about that he was being real secretive he's like oh look at my shirt it's absolute carnage Carnage coming up but if you but this is the thing though he was like yeah you think this is i don't want to talk about this though yeah 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 yeah. here check out this art on my phone i have phone he pulled out his phone and showed us some black and white like sketches that trad moore had it wasn't even sketches it was uncolored it was pencils oh that's important the first issue dude how would you even describe what he showed us. If you've looked at this comic at all, if you have any familiarity with the way that Trad Moore draws, it's very loose and very round. Like there's lots of just circled shapes and without colors in the comic to help you define and delineate what is what, it's all just a bunch of loopy, weird shapes. That is, it's, it's extremely hard to tell what you're looking at without color. And he showed us his phone and I was like taken aback. I was like, I don't even know. What, what it is I'm looking at, but I like this. That's what he says. Like, this is going to blow your mind, dude. It's going to blow us. your effing mind. Yep. He kept saying it. He's like, this is it, dude. This is, you're going to love this. And of course, at that time, we were neck deep in the Infinity Gauntlet crossover, and I was just oh like, I just really wanted to nerd out with Donny Cates about our stuff. But So if you haven't watched that video, he actually goes out and nerds out about Carnage Mind Bomb because I gifted my copy to him. So you should check out that video as well. But this issue number five. It is can't very even talk. Fine. It's so fine. I can't. Even, I'm gonna keep going. I don't even care. This issue is freaking perfection, dude. This is what comics are about for me. It's art. It is poetry. I was literally getting feelings while I was reading this, like like deep emotional feelings, which doesn't happen very much for me. I'm, yeah, an, I'm, an, I'm an unfeeling cold man. Yeah, you're very cold. I like to be depressed. No, this book right here is about the opposite. It's about overcoming burdens. It's about overcoming the darkness, the negativity. The, the shame, the just the parts of life that we all experience every day, like being a, a human being. And this dude isn't even human. Yep. What? That's why it's perfect. Oh, man, it's so good. It's like Picasso, dude. I had no exposure to Silver Surfer as a character before our gauntlet coverage that we did last year. Yeah, and let's get into that because what did, we, we went through the entirety yes. of the Infinity Gauntlet. If you haven't watched that, we, we just talked about a, break, a, a breakdown video we made, a series about dangerous habits we did a whole breakdown series about infinity gauntlet every single issue in we retrospect, sat here and geeked out yeah, in so retrospect we should have picked something smaller i feel like it took over it was year. 50 videos 50 plus videos that we did it's a long time dude. every single tie-in and crossover issue we learned a lot about silver surfer and his all of his struggles are or most of his struggles are mental 
he's got a lot of baggage about the fact that he's been traveling with Galactus all this time and like dooming all of these planets that Galactus has eaten and consumed. And that kind of regret and guilt is kind of at the core of his character here in Silver Surfer Black. And at the end of the fifth issue, of the final issue of Silver Surfer Black, are we spoiling this? Is that what's no, happening? This is, yeah, this is out for a couple weeks. It's been out for a few weeks yeah, now. So, spoiler warning. Spoiler but warning. I have a, by the way, I'm going to insert this right here real quick. Okay. Spoilers are really difficult because we talk about a lot of comic book collecting and when people buy comics, we talk about them, but typically they buy them when they're hot and they're brand new. I feel like if it's been, if it's after the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. You're, we're working on the next issues and they're coming out, you know, so y- you should have read it by now. So, um, it's been over a week. So you should have, you should not only have read this, you should have bought it too. Should be on your shelf. Agreed. Anyways. This story ends basically with Silver Surfer. The, he, <laughs> we can't tell you how it ends without telling you how it starts. I guess we didn't do, do that. Do he goes through like a black hole at the start of this mini series. It's it's related to the Guardians of the Galaxy series that Donny Cates is also writing. Uh, Silver Surfer ends up in a black hole and it sends him back in time. And he runs into Null, actually, which is another character that Donny Cates is all over. And uh, they get into a fight over the course of these five issues. And it ends with Silver Surfer sacrificing himself to kind of rebirth uh, his home planet of Zenlaw, which got destroyed by Galactus. And in doing so, that planet, it reconstitutes. It's not even reconstitutes. That is the birth of the planet. Like Silver Surfer gave, I don't want to say gave birth to a planet. <laughs> That's a mental image I don't want. There you go. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome, Internet. Silver Surfer created... The planet of Zenlaw in the first place in the past before he was ever born on it, which is 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 so trippy and cool. But it doesn't just create his birth planet. No. Because that planet goes on to create all. Right. So Silver Surfer ends up being kind of like the the grandfather of the entire universe. The Marvels the Marvel universe. Yeah. So first off, if the art if you're not getting the art, you gotta remind yourself. They're in a different dimension. It's supposed to look weird. It's like, a, it's like Doctor Strange weird, like, yes. right? When you're looking, when you're in different dimensions and you're, you're going through time and you're all these things, it looks different. Well, first off, this is perfect. There is no better artist for this comic book. Nope. So, boom, perfect. Okay. This whole story is about Silver Surfer, Norrin Rad, figuring out that he has to look within himself to resolve the problem. And the problem is, is that he's not strong enough to overcome the dark. He cannot beat Null. He will not beat Null. Null is alive in the future. So, so we, there's got yeah. to be a different way to go about resolving the situation. He's got to look within himself. He's got to fight that darkness. He's got to fight his pride and his frustrations and his, his guilt of all the death and struggle that he himself has actually caused. And rebirth. One of the more important lessons here, too, is he learns throughout these five issues that sometimes you can't win. Like, there's no beating the darkness, I guess. There's some, some foes will always be there, and you have no ability to destroy or defeat them. So you have to learn to bring, like, balance. To overcome. Yes. And, not, the, and, yeah. that, and that darkness, it's not necessarily external. I mean, Silver Surfer deals with internal darkness. So this is something that we can relate to a bit. Because, you know, there's there's good and there's bad in life. And in this comic book, he he discovers and, 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 and wants to really show the reader here, you know, us as the fans, that regardless of how dark things are, if there is a little bit of light, 
if there is a little bit of positivity that you can look at to potentially overcome, you have to reach within, you have to hold on to that for your dear life. And if you're going to do anything with it, you give that to someone else. Whoa. Yeah, that was, my, that was my favorite page in this whole run. I thought that was a very nice thesis statement for the whole series. Right. And then he ends with a tribute to Stan Lee mm. because like, why not? Why not? And um, let's actually just read it verbatim because this is from, this is a shout out to 1989, the Silver Surfer. It's a two-parter issue series. Issue number two. It's actually written by Stan Lee too. Which oh, and it was written by Stan awesome. Lee. So um, what, let's just read what this says here. If we turn from battle because there is little hope of victory... Where then would valor be? Beautiful. That's right. In response to like having to go up against something where the odds are so much against you, you just have to go for it. Yep. Man. And that's, that's the whole point of like courage and, and honor and all that stuff. For Stan. Well done. This is my favorite book of the year so far. Nice this tribute, cool. Donnie. Nice tribute. Oh, and by the way, if I didn't mention it already, we are giving this away. Comment down below. Let us know what you think about Silver Surfer Black. Did you pick it up? And we will enter you to win this comic. If you didn't, you should just grab the trade when it comes out because that's going to be a nice solid like five issues, standalone little trade. That's that's the one to get. All right, Watchmen. Watchmen. You sent me a website link. Yes. Didn't know what was going on. Me neither. I am so stoked right now, dude. Me too. Just blow, blow people's minds right now. Go. I'm going to try my hardest to blow all of your minds. But, okay, I hate to do this. Actually, I hate slash don't hate at all to do this, but lost. It's a good, okay, now this is an appropriate, this is <laughs> the, one of the few times where I would say, you know what, this all reminds me of Lost, like hardcore. Thank dude. you. This okay. does, it does, man. I remember when Lost was big and there were freaking commercials playing through like other shows in primetime television. Fake commercials. Fake commercials about the Dharma initiative that you can join. Websites yes. about fake Dharma, this and that. It was a whole game that you played online that was happening in real time. It was insanely awesome. And it was really original. And I, I kind of always wanted more stuff like that to happen. Yeah, we're getting that right Lost, now. We're getting a little bit of that with Lost, with, with Watchmen. Uh, mostly because it's the same genius behind the scenes. Genius might be an overstatement. I don't know. If you're watching this, Damon, I apologize. You're probably a genius. But thank you for making uh, both of these websites, all of this, all of this stuff. I'm, I'm digging it. All right. Anyway, it's a fake website that takes place in the universe of the Watchmen TV show. Name of the site is? It is, it is called PTpedia. Okay. It's, it, which is a big mystery for me. Like, well, that's weird. What, what, is that a guy's name? PT? Like Peter, but with PT, like a little kid? PTpedia. All right. In the third episode of Watchmen, you actually figure out that, yes, that is a, that is, uh, you're, you're introduced to the character of, of PT, who is like a, kind of underling at the at the FBI who everybody laughs at and, and kind of ridicules. You go to this website and there are a few links. We're only going to touch base on the first link because right. that provides background to episode one. And Ryan, please every, explain some cool yeah, things on every, this. Every week they've been adding new like chapters to this. So after each episode, there's a new like segment, a segment on the on this website. So each week there's new there's new parts for each episode. And the first batch came out, I believe it was right before the show even started. Yep. This is why it's important you got to keep up on this kind of stuff. This website's really cool. Yeah, they're they're providing information about what happened in between the book watchmen and the show. Because after after the comic ended, there was like 30 years in between the comic and the start of the show. And this this, this guy Petey, this character in the show, is a disgruntled FBI agent who nobody takes seriously. So he has been uploading all of these documents to this like low-key website that he's running in the basement office of the FBI that he works out of. And uh, 
One of them was this big memo that he wrote about Rorschach's journal that was dropped off at the newspaper at the end of the comic. Oh, dude. And he's kind of digging into it and analyzing it and explaining why, how it's bad and how certain uh, groups that are in the TV show that are not very friendly, who have kind of taken a liking to Rorschach, how they are using this journal as like a a manifesto. And uh, there's in the background almost in in the way he's writing, there's little nuggets that are dropped that you can just glance over that if you're not paying attention, will go right by you. The most important one. The biggest one that I found was a reference to Frederick Wortham. That's right. Uh, we're talking about Wortham Spectrum. What is the Wortham Spectrum, man? They don't even explain it in this. They don't explain it because in the world of Watchmen, the TV show, this Wortham Spectrum is a thing that has existed for 30 years that everyone is familiar with. So they don't explain it. You have to pick it up while reading this website. Frederick Wortham, if you don't know this name, he was the doctor that caused the seduction of the innocents in American history. You know, really uh, bringing together the government, the schools, and the religious sectors to all rile together to be against comic books. And that caused a huge decline in the in the economy of comics. It created the code, and it's looked at as one of the main reasons why comics almost disappeared entirely from Americana. And they're calling this spectrum the Wortham spectrum in Watchmen. It's apparently a, a tool that psychologists or you know psychiatrists, I'm never able to, to tell which one's which, but people who are, are diagnosing people's mental states and they have diagnosed different superheroes on the Wortham spectrum. So there's like, they have described uh, Ozymandias, for example, as a savior slash narcissist. Okay. Makes sense. Those, those kind of, I would say those apply to him. Uh, Rorschach himself was described as an objectivist slash slash sociopath. So there's a bunch of different ways to categorize various masked adventurers in this universe. What else do they describe? There was an, an, an intriguing little line. You remember the, the squids, the rain, the raining yes. squids? We showed a little clip of it last time. Mm-hmm. There was a theory that people had watching the show that like maybe the squids were kind of controlled. Like this rain of squids was a way that the government was using to like keep people's you know, spirits down and make them think that another giant squid could fall on them at any moment. Uh, but if they find, you find out through a little throwaway line on this article about Rorschach's journal here that these nobody knows what's going on with these giant squids, that nobody in the government knows what's going on, Ooh. and that it's actually like a, a real mystery, that it's not some kind of conspiracy that people are hiding. See, if you didn't read this, you would still be going off of these ideas that are already in print. That you also find declined. out in this text that Night Owl has been in prison since 1995. Oh, and he's still alive. He's still alive. They got away at the end of the comic book. Like he, he managed to, you know, get back into normal life. But he got back into superheroing in between the eighties and ninety-five. Dude, can you imagine? Got if arrested. We get, if we get like a, a background, some kind like of prequel series, prequel to this? Oh before Watchmen. Be- oh man, that already exists. Oh man, it'd be so cool. Uh, anyway, there's a lot of information on this website. It's being updated every week. It's a really cool way to kind of peel back the layers and, and experience the world of this Watchmen series, which is a weird mix of like our own world today, but also the comic that we've all been reading for 40 years now, 30 years. If you don't get on this show and be on HBO, you're going to regret it. It's only out for nine episodes. So the fourth one just came out. It's already almost halfway done. You should get on it. You should, you should watch this. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. If you have the patience for a mystery show, That's right. then yeah, give it a shot because it's... It's a fun ride. All right. So now we got to talk about some fraud. What? Fraud? Fraud. Fraud. All right. What's going on? Well, Captain Shipwreck, this is my homie, my fellow Hellboy enthusiast and collector who got that 
freaking gorgeous Salt Lake City Comic Con pamphlet. First appearance of Hellboy. Oh, man. I'm so jelly, man. I look he's at that not jealous thing. at all. Look at him. Uh, all right. Well, he got it, and he's excited about it. It's the real thing. He paid $5,000 for it. What do you mean it's the real thing? Oh, Why right. wouldn't it be? That's a good point. That's what we're going to talk about right now. He found something really interesting. So one of the ways, if you're looking for something super scarce and you can't find it, you got to go hunting on the internet. Now, eBay only saves the past three months of sales. Sales and like the record of items that have hit eBay and left, right? So three months. So what happens if you want to look at what sold in 2015, 2016, 2007? Like how do you go back far enough to uncover things? Well, there are websites that do that, that keep track of these logs, which means that you have different paths to hunt down. You have to go through different sites and go searching, searching, searching. And if you're looking for something hyper scarce, well, you're going to look through those things, right? You're going to go down whatever path you got to find. The foreign comic market, they go to freaking Greece, you know, and they, and they try to Actually use Google Trends. have to go Trends. there sometimes. Yeah, right? you know, to get, to get the history, to figure out what's going on. Well, in this particular example, he, he reached out to me this week and he found a post from 2014 of a seller selling Hellboy memorabilia. And this is what's interesting. The picture that, I'm, that we're going to show right now is of all the Hellboy memorabilia that we've been discussing. You got Next Men. You got um, Celebrate Diversity, another Hellboy comic that's super rare. You got the Hellboy poster that we talked about in the after show. You got Salt Lake City Comic Con, um, the, the pamphlet sitting yep. there. But wait a minute, that pamphlet doesn't look right. And this is something that was brought to my attention this past week. This pamphlet was sold in a batch in 2014, and it is smaller than all of the rest of the books in this picture. Uh-oh. And we know that Captain Shipwreck has his pamphlet and we know that that's a legit pamphlet i've seen the pictures this pamphlet is oversized it's slightly bigger than a standard comic and as you can see in these pictures this is what it's supposed to look like but in 2014 we have a smaller version being shown in a solicit for the selling of this of this listing what that means is that we have either one of two things happening and i I suspect the latter the first thing is at salt lake city comic-con 1991 in this very small convention where they were putting to putting this pamphlet together really last minute, having Mignola draw a Hellboy prototype. Like, hey, just give us a demon. We got to put this to print. We don't have a lot of money. We're going to put it on this like really cheap paper. It's 1991. Who's going to these conventions? There's not a whole lot of people. Either they made two different types, one larger yeah. than another one, like Sounds a pocket right. size. Yeah. Or for travel reasons. What would be the other reason? Uh, I can't think of any other reason. That seems to be the only one that makes any sense. They must have made two different sizes. Just handing them all out, right? Yeah. Or we have fraud. Of course. Counterfeit. That makes a lot more sense. And I'm telling you right now, dude, as soon as that $5,000 sale hit, collectors across the country are looking. Like, they're they're hunting. There's that a lot also of people. makes sense. There's a lot of people looking right now. So I want to bring this to the community's attention that we have two pictures here, and we have on good authority that one is real, and the other does not look right so when you're hunting for this prototype first off if you find it hit me up because i want it <laughs> i want give it. it to tom give it to me <laughs> i need it um but we're still hunting for it you know but other people are hunting for it. if you find smaller versions if you find one that doesn't look like the one here that captain shipwreck has found and had the courtesy of showing the community i mean the guy doesn't even want to post pictures of the interior with the worry that more people may try to counterfeit this pamphlet good point right so if it doesn't look like this and it's not the size, you may be dealing with the fraud. And 
you know what? Just protect your money. This is the kind of, this is the way that people make mistakes. That's scary. It is really scary, especially for something that's like five grand, dude. I'm glad I'm not a freaking house payment, man. That's like, Uh, it's a a down payment on a house. Nope. No, thanks. I'm just going to stick to my my moderns. That's right. Stick to your moderns. Weekly comics. (laughs) No, no house payments. None of that level of stress. Okay, well, I'll tell you one thing. There was a, a bit of stress that I felt after selling a comic book I shouldn't have sold, and we're going to continue this conversation in our post-show. Thank you, comic book community, for joining us today. Hit the subscribe button. We, we cover comic books every week. We do a top 10 on Fridays. We have more videos coming out soon. Um, hit the like button and comment down below. We have a couple really cool giveaways that we're doing. And also, use that code TOM101 over on Key Collector. The links are in the bio for both Android and iTunes. This application is going to help you get on your way. If you're just new in this community and looking to, to start growing your collection and you want some you know some guidance of you know some cool books if you may not know of, um, or if you're a seasoned collector and you're looking for some assistance on the hunt, this is going to be a useful tool and one that more and more people are utilizing and finding success with. It's like half the price of a current comic book. It's, yeah. it's extremely affordable. Well, if you don't that. feel like using the code for the free week, Tom 101. That's right. It's $2 a month mm-hmm. or 20 bucks for the year. It takes one comic, man. One comic in, in our community and is pays for paid itself. for the whole year. It's, so. it's, a, it's, a, it's a really good app. I'm, yeah. I'm being serious. All right. Thanks, comic fan. We do appreciate you. See you in the after show. See you in the after show. And then let's announce some winners to the giveaway. Nuff. All right, we're in the after show. Thank you, Comic Fam, for joining us. I got my iced dirty chai. That dirty I'm chai. Yeah, that's right. What are you drinking over there, Ryan? What is a dirty chai? What does that mean? It's got um, shots in it. Already gross. It's like chai tea, but they gross. put coffee shots in it. Okay. I have a mocha, or do I? I don't even know what I have. <laughs> what do you got? You got a caramel latte. It's a latte. That's what it is. It's not a mocha. Ryan's like, oh, yeah, I'll take a coffee. It's Give got me, caffeine. Uh, it's caramel sh- and coffee in it. I'm like, oh, you want a caramel latte? Yeah, I drink black coffee at work. There you go. I'm that guy. Keeps you going. Um, Okay, I want to chat about um, a couple different subjects. The first one is, I'm going to save my story for the end. Let's talk about uh, Joe Hill in this book, Basket Full of Heads. I'm going to read it. You're letting me borrow this issue here that I've had on display. So I grabbed both covers. I grabbed the the A cover and the B cover. Okay, well, let me borrow cover A because I think this is going to be... You know, yeah. potentially worth less if something ends up spiking. Exactly. But, I'm going to hang on um, to this one. First off, art is great. I'm digging the backup story um, so far. Notice like, the Watchmen ad? I did. I uh-huh. saw the Watchmen ad. I only read the the last two pages because of the extra story because I'm going to save the rest of this tonight because I want to re- read it actually very closely. What was your first impressions of this book? I actually was surprised at how slow it was. And I think coming from... Anybody that's not me, that might sound like a bad thing, but I really, really like the slow build. The nice, like they're laying, they're laying the groundwork for something here. It's not just immediately jumping off into like, here's an axe. She's got a magic axe. It chops people's heads off and then they still talk to you after they're dead. It's like none, none of that. You see a glimpse of this axe in the background. She walks past it and it flashes like red a little bit. Like it gets this little bit of a glow in it. That's it. That's all you see of anything that's like mysterious or weird. And then at the end, there's like a like a home invasion or something. Something's about to come up. And you see like in the next issue is when things look like it's going to pop off. That's right. It says in one month, the axe will fall. Oh, that's exciting. That's pretty cool. So I'm going to read this. I'm excited to come back on the mic and talk more about these because I'm I'm paying close attention to the um, Hill House comic book I'm getting line. all of them. I'm, I'm, yeah. so, I'm on board. I want them all. But there's a part of this at the very end. It's called the red ink section. 
a few words from the Dread Letter office. First off, love that. He's calling his Dread Letter office um, the Red Ink. This is uh, Joe Hill. And he has a little, you know, words for the reader. And this is the first issue that he produced. I found this fascinating. Ryan, please. First of all, he looks he much he looks so much like his dad. He looks just like his dad, and it's awesome. It looks exactly like an '80s photo of his dad. It really does. All right, what did he say in the back of this comic? For me, it all started here. My dad brought home DC Special Blue Ribbon Digest number six, aka you will believe in ghosts. All right, and he says his dad. He's talking about Stephen King. So imagine a seven-year-old Joe Hill being given his. I mean, really, this is Stephen King, dude. He could have given him anything. He would know what's scary too. He said, "Here's." You know, anything he wrote. Here's you know? one of my books. Here's my books. Yeah, you gotta have I signed it too. <laughs> you gotta no, buy but, the next one though. That's right. Yeah. But um, but no, um Stephen King gave his son to get him into horror, um, DSC's special blue ribbon digest number six. You will believe in ghosts. Very mm-hmm. cool. Anyways, continue. AKA, you will believe in ghosts. When I was seven years old, it gripped me like a fever. No, it seized me with the force of a skeletal hand, reaching out from under the bed to clamp hold of my ankle. I was terrified of what lay just beyond the cover and yet perversely longed for it. I wanted the thrill of the uncanny and unnatural. I wanted to feel the whirl of peril and risk in the dark and be released into the daylight at the end, laughing my ass off, heart whamming in my little chest. Forty years later, I can't say I've changed that much. (laughs) I love it, man. This guy's awesome. He's got he's a great writer. He's been killing the comic book game for quite some time. Lock and key, baby. Yeah, lock and key. My dad loves lock and key. I read the first trade. It's really cool. All right. Well, you know, I'm, I'm excited for this because we have a bunch of comic books that are coming out from his like production. You know, mm. this is DC Black Label, but it's, it's 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 also DC Black Label Joe Hill House Comics. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like a, it's like layers within layers within layers. And that also gives me reason to believe that there must be rights being retained by Joe Hill, which makes sense. I mean, this is a, a major author this isn't just this this isn't donny cates getting a job at marvel and image and you know going around making his rounds um this is joe hill megastar and he's got his own brand so i think all of these issues are prime for speculation because you know it takes one of them to be optioned and what better run of you know especially a horror comic book to option right now than something made by joe hill yeah and these are all these are all brand new these aren't tied to anything. These aren't continuations of anything. They're not like connected to the DC universe at large. These are all just standalone horror series. Fresh, original content from DC, more mature and affordable. $3.99. Go get it. I'm excited. I'm going to read this. I'm excited to talk to you about this in the future. It's a good one. Okay. Let's chat about um, Ragrats. Rugrats in the comic book community. Okay. Rugrats? Rugrats. Tommy, Chucky. Dude, I've been waiting this whole Phil. time to talk about Rugrats with you. Hey, by the way, Rugrats is a comic book right now, and it's being produced by Boom Studios. Shout mm-hmm. out Boom, who's doing Buffy and Power Rangers and a bunch of other cool stuff. Um, but we're not talking about Rugrats today. Damn it. I know. Next I love Tommy Pickles, though, you know. But Chucky. Uh, Chucky all the way, dude. Yeah. I am Chucky. You're basically I, I Chucky, grew up dude. to be Chucky. I know. I grew up to be Tommy. That basically is what yeah, it is. That's right. Actually, growing up, I really... Um, identified with Tommy because I went by Tommy my whole life. Mm-hmm. And my dad would tell me growing up, like, you know, I don't know how true this is, but he'd be like, oh, around your first birthday is when the first episode. I remember watching like Rugrats episode one of you know, came Tommy's out, first came birthday. Came out around, around that time. Yeah, it was like early I think, it 90s. Out, I think it was like 91. Yeah, I think that, it was when it started. And I was, I was born in 1990. So I was like, I was turning one your around dad the time. might be telling the truth. He may be, you know. You I don't get know him if, on here and ask him. I, I could do that. Um, Hear that, Pops? I don't think he. I don't think he can I don't hear. Think he can hear you. He'd have to be a little louder, but it's okay. Um, but 
We're talking about regrets. We are. Um, regrets. Regrets. Okay. Um, That's sadder. There are times where you sell things in this in this hobby that you shouldn't have sold. Just it's one thing to be like, oh, this book spiked, and I could if I held on to it, it could have been worth thirty bucks, and I sold it for ten. You know, there's times where you make a mistake, and you're like, oh, I listed this and I sold it, and it sold for twenty bucks, and it was worth a hundred. Done that too. Oh, I have done that. Yeah, like, and I keep the deal going because I'm not gonna I'm about to take some bad feedback. I have hundred percent feedback on eBay. Shout out, baby. Link in the bio. Support the show. Buy some comic books, comic books from us. Um, but I want to talk about um, one that I will never forget. We all have these. Jeff has them. Russ has them. And Ryan, you're going to have them too eventually because you're going to end up buying comics like on a more like serious collector's level. Heck, we may get you into foreign comic books. Who knows? I'm still a noob. You're still a noob, but you do have some Silver Age, so we're getting you there. Mm-hmm. I sold a Hulk 181. Uh-oh. Okay. And I sold, I've, I've sold a few. First, I first appearance of Lockjaw? Lockjaw, exactly. Right? Yeah, I think so. Lockjaw. <laughs> no, um, this is a really, really good Wendigo appearance. First full appearance of Lockjaw. Cover <laughs> appearance. Cover appearance, right? Cameo. You're doing so good with the collector's market right now. I can't remember. Okay, this is first even. Logan, my man. That's right. That's right. First Wolverine. Logan. First Wolverine. And I've, I've actually have owned at least five or six of these in my life. Um, I gave one away last year in the mail call. Oh, so yeah. What, yeah, we totally, that. like, straight up gave one key. away. Yep. It was a major key. I probably gave it away too soon. No, I, who got it? It was uh, pop.com. It was JoJo. Yep. JoJo Pop. got Comics. it. Yeah. That was exciting. She um, gets everything. Yeah, she got a bunch of cool stuff. <laughs> she's, she's, she's been doing <laughs> she's it. She's lucky. Dude, we, we've had the mail call for over a year. We have members who have gotten like 15 mail calls from us. Mm-hmm. And some of them have gotten really good stuff. JoJo got the Hulk 181. I was so stoked to yep. see the person who actually got it because sometimes people don't post it, you know? But, anyways. Hulk 181. I had a comic book that I, I bought in the collection and the book looks so good. The book looks so good. And this is before I was pressing, dude. So this book not only looked really good, when I graded it, I didn't press it. And it came back a 9.6. So in theory, this 9.6 could have potentially had a grade bump. Potentially. We don't know. It could have though. Mm-hmm. But let's just say it was a 9.6. I sold that book for so damn cheap. I was trying to like grow my, my first business opportunity, which I'm sure we'll talk about eventually on the mic when we're much bigger, but I had other business plans that I was trying to grow. And at that time I was looking for, for money to, to kind of make my dreams a reality. And, you know, honestly, that's how the show started. I mentioned last week, a lot of my Hellboy memorabilia. Gone. It's gone. It went into the microphones. It went into the, to the table, you know, right into the microphones, right? Literally I just shoved them in. But this Hulk 181, I sold for, I don't even know if I want to hear the number. It's, it's going to be rough, dude. Okay. A nine, six right now. That's a better frame of reference. How much does it sell for right now? Jeez, right now, let's go look. I'm going to pull up on eBay. I don't don't even remember offhand what that book is going for in the moment. And I've never Because it's going up over and over again. So I'm just going to type in Hulk 181 on eBay. You should call Russ and ask Russ. The one who should ask is the guru because that dude owns like 20 plus copies. I saw that. That was depressing. So um, here is a, let's see here. What do we have? You can get a 9.6 right now on eBay for $19,000. Holy smokes. $19,000 or $1,900? $19,000. Yeah, $19,000. Um, it's a 9.6 first appearance. <laughs> it's, and it's off-white white pages. And I believe mine was white pages. So it, it would be more than that. You know, um, There's a white pager on here I'm looking at that's for almost twenty grand. 
I sold my 9.6, and this was a long time ago. It's like seven years ago, six years ago. I sold mine for $3,000 plus trade. I got about $1,000 in trade. Maybe made like 800 of it back. So I was like 800. So I basically sold a Hulk 181 at 9.6 for $3,800. All right. So the person, just to clarify, the person who bought that 181 was I Love Comics. It's a great shop out in Vancouver. Chris is a great dude. Um, and, you know, I, I no ill will on that deal because at that time that was that was a fair deal. But I regret it ever since and I'll never forget about it. But I remember when that book was graded initially. Who did I get that graded by? Corner Comics out in Kirkland, Washington. Shout out Paige, who's no longer there. She actually sold uh, Corner Comics to Comic Dungeon out here in Seattle. But Corner Comics is still there. I remember getting a call from her when I was working in Snohomish as an assistant manager at Wells Fargo. And she's like, are you sitting down? Is that before we met? Before we met. Okay, yeah. I was like, well, are you sitting down? I'm like, why? She's like, I got your Hulk 181 back. I'm like, oh, what, what was it? She's like, are you, do you want to know? It's a 9.6. Come get it out of my store. I don't want it here. That's what she told me. She's like, it's too expensive. She yeah. didn't want to handle it. So it was a, it's an interesting time. It was definitely one of my biggest finds and best like turnouts of the collection. But man, you know, those is this those things, you know, sellers regret. It's 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 pretty it's a bummer. Sellers regret, like it's one of those things that you actually had it. Buyers regret is another thing, but Really, seller's regret is like one that really sticks. At least with, with buyer's you. regret, you still have the comic. You yes. know, at the end of the day, you you maybe paid too much for it, but you at least have something. Right. If you just sold something for too little, you lost the thing, and you also don't have the amount of money that you should. That's a bummer. It's a bummer. But you know what? We we pursue. We keep going. Exactly. The hunt never stops. You never know when it may come up again. I can hear dogs barking outside. I don't care. Because we're nope. with the comic fam on the after show. We That's do right. appreciate you. You guys come here f- specifically for the dog background noises. Yeah, it's just like a little bit of a or the little kids. insight what we deal with here. Recording all the time, you know, trying to, to make content for the comic fam. We do appreciate you. Do us a favor. Uh, give us a rating, you know, if you're, if you're listening to us on iTunes. It would, does go a long way for our show. And as always, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye.